This is the first bonus episode of Villains. You're going to get one of these every Tuesday. The way the process works is on Thursday, we will release a real and actual episode of Villains. On Friday, I'll post on Twitter a phone number and an email address so that you can submit questions, either about the villain or about the conversation that was had on the podcast. Saturday and Sunday, my producer, Kara Hart, goes through all the emails and all the voicemails and pulls them aside. And then on Monday, she sends them to me. I listen to them. I record my answers. On Tuesday, you get what you're listening to right here. It should take 20, 25 minutes tops. Since some of the questions are emailed in, I'll read those. Any voicemails that come in, I'll just play those. All right, let's get into it. This first question is emailed in. It's from Alex Murillo. He asks, one thing I learned from the Hannibal episode of Villains is that in the books, Clarice and Hannibal end up together. Like Shay, I prefer how it goes in the movies. But for this question, I want to assume the two of them ended up together and that they had a baby. So my question is, if Clarice and Hannibal did have a kid, what's the more likely outcome? That the kid is super evil, that the kid is super good, or that the kid is just a normal kid? Well, the baby would definitely be smart. The baby would come out and the baby would be a regular normal baby. And then he would grow up or she would grow up and it would be clear that this child was smart. But there's just no way to to like become an adult in the Lecter household or to go through puberty in the Lecter household or to be a toddler in the Lecter household and not eventually just go fucking all the way nuts. There's just no way that it can happen. Your dad can't be a serial killer who eats people and your mother a disgraced ex-FBI agent who fell in love with a serial killer who eats people. That can't be your starting point and then you end up Okay, like you're not going to be invited to join the local t-ball team if your dad is fucking out here eating thighs and shit. It doesn't work. So the kid is going to be a pariah. The kid would have to move to wherever and live a secret life, and that's just no way to grow up. So the kid is just going to grow up screwed up. A smart child, but also just destined for awfulness. A thing I'm interested about... Here, though, like a side version of your question, is Hannibal Lecter good at sex is a fun conversation to have. I think it would have to be. I think the way the scale works is the smarter you are, the worse you are at sex, probably, is how it goes. But at a certain point, you are so smart that you become incredible at sex. It's like when you're at, a a common example here would be If you go to Taco Bell and you order like five tacos or five burritos, you're, you're just a piece of shit is what you are. (laughs) I eat at Taco Bell all the time. It's the most like piece of shitty that I ever feel is when I'm eating a fucking Dorito shell taco or whatever. But if you can eat 50 of those, like it becomes impressive at a certain point. Same thing with being smart and having sex. I think once you're to the level of smart that Hannibal Lecter is, you probably... Hannibal Lecter's probably laying it down really, really nice, is what I'm saying. Next question. This is from Tom Coyle. It's another email. Did Hannibal steal Dr. Chilton's pen when they transported him from the prison? And if so, how did he do it? He is tied up in a straitjacket. You know what I think happens, Tom, in this scene? I assume that Hannibal is tied up in that straitjacket because Chilton wants to go into his cell and talk to him. That's what I think is going on here. I think that's just like the status quo for whenever Chilton wants to get close enough that Hannibal could grab him otherwise, he's going to have the orderlies or the guards 
put Hannibal in the straitjacket, put him in the mask just to be safe. So I think he only went in there to just like, Chilton went in there to go talk shit to Hannibal and laugh at him. He didn't realize that he left his pen on the bed. He sort of got caught up in his own momentum. He forgot about the pen. He walked away. They unhooked Hannibal, left him in a cell, and that's how Hannibal got the pen. Would be my guess. That's my guess. Next question. This one's a call in. Let's hear the voicemail. Hey, Shay. This is uh, Elijah. I'm a villain from Colorado. And I was wondering how many days in a row could I wear a Hannibal Lecter mask to work before I got fired? I'm an insurance agent, by the way. All right. Cool. Thanks. Bye. That's a good question, Elijah. Elijah, the insurance agent. So if you're wearing the Hannibal mask to work, here's what I think happens. You wear it the first day. You show up. It's like July 15th. You're in your Hannibal mask. Everybody's laughing. Oh, ha ha. Look at wacky Elijah. He really like is a lively person in the office. Then you show up the second day in the mask. The, and, and I'm assuming you're doing this like seriously. You're treating this as a serious thing. You're not walking in just sort of joking. But you show up the second day and people are like, okay, Elijah, relax. It was funny yesterday. Today you're just like in the, I'm trying to fill out these reports. You're in the way. Can you stop? And then the third day comes and you show up again. It's Wednesday now. You pull up to the office, you walk, you get out of your car, you're walking in, you're in the mask. Very serious looking. That's the swing day right there. One of two things is going to happen. Number one, your boss is going to call you in. He's going to tell you to remove the mask. She's going to tell you to remove the mask. If you don't, you're fired. Or number two, they're all going to be just sort of, depending on how well you've sold this, they're going to be intimidated or scared. If you can get past that third day, if you can convince people like, yo, don't, you see Elijah with the, the guy over there in the Hannibal mask by the coffee, getting coffee right now? He's fucking crazy. Don't talk to him. Like, that's what you want to have happen in the background. If you can make that happen in the background, then you can wear the mask for as many days as you want. If they think you're doing it as a joke, you get in three days and then you're getting written up or fired by your boss. So it's on you, really. Next question. This is an email from Dalton Davis. Which Hannibal moment was worse? A, in Silence of the Lambs when he's wearing the guard's face like a hockey mask, or B, in Hannibal when he cuts open Ray Liotta's skull and pops it off like the cap on a tube of M&M minis <laughs> and cooks the brain and eats the brain. If I have to choose between one of these two things, it's going to be the, the face mask thing for a few different reasons, the two most important of which are... Number one, we didn't know that Hannibal was capable of this type of crazy, this level of crazy. Like they had alluded to it. They talked about the stuff that he did. But there's a difference between hearing somebody talk about it and then seeing that Hannibal has killed two people, strung one of them up like an angel, and then ripped the face off of the other one and put it on his face. Like when you see that happen, it is entirely and totally startling. There's just no other way to, to process it. We had not seen that violence yet. We had not seen that level of insanity yet. In Hannibal, by the time we get to the brain scene, like that's the point in the movie where like, okay, now we're just trying to figure out ways that we can show how wild, how out of pocket Hannibal is. So let's figure this thing out. Like we had already seen him cut open a guy's stomach and then hang him off a balcony and let all of his guts spill out. We saw him stab another guy in the dick which I didn't even know that's a way you could kill somebody. Like, dick stabbing. 
I had assumed that it would be bad, of course, but I didn't know you would die from it. But we saw him do that. We saw him feed some people to pigs. We saw him do a bunch of crazy shit in Hannibal. By the time we got to the skull thing, you're like, all right, this makes sense. I could have seen this coming had I guessed. Worse than actually doing that, because Ray Liotta's character, don't forget, he had it coming to him. He was a crooked FBI agent. He set up Starling. He was working in conjunction with Mason Verger. Like That had to happen to him. I think worse than actually doing that is at the very end of the movie when Hannibal feeds the brain to the kid on the airplane. And, I mean, some blame has to fall on the parent there. You don't just let your kid wander off on the plane and eat brains from a strange man who's fucking missing a hand, who's just bandaged up and bloodied, feeding your child. You can't let that happen. But I think that was worse than the skull thing. But I do think the face mask is worse than all of it. Next question. Let's do another voicemail. Uh, I know Shea Serrano's a big fan of The Office, so I was wondering if you've seen the episode where Dwight pulls a Hannibal Lecter and cuts the face off a CPR dummy and then proceeds to place it on his face and do the whole Hannibal Lecter spiel. So, uh, yeah, looking forward to next week's podcast, and thank you. I don't think you asked a question there. I mean, you did. You said, you asked, have I seen the episode of The Office where Dwight poses as Hannibal Lecter when he cuts the face off of the CPR dummy? And then, I mean, of course I've seen that. I've seen every episode of The Office a billion times. It's one of my favorite TV shows of all time. It might be my favorite TV show of all time. Who knows? But yeah, that's a great scene. That's a great episode. That is one of the, you know, six or seven best moments on the show. Certainly one of the silliest moments on the show. Let's go ahead and go through all of the office questions because there were a ton of them in there. We're we're like comparing characters or how would this character react to that or whatever. So let's go through those. This next one, this is an amalgamation of several of the questions that were all basically the same. If you could recast the following roles from the movie Silence of the Lamb with characters from The Office, characters, not the actors, but characters, who would play the following? Who plays Hannibal? Who plays Clarice? And who plays Buffalo Bill? If we're casting that movie with characters from the show, not the actors, but the characters, Buffalo Bill would probably have to be played by Moe's. Mose was the most intensely strange person on the show. He never felt threatening or evil or violent, but if we're just looking for a weirdo, it's got to be Mose. If we're casting Clarice, then that has to be Pam, right? That's got to be Pam. Not early seasons Pam, though. We don't want, like, meek Pam sort of mumbling through everything. We want late seasons Pam. We want... The Pam that has been hardened by life. The Pam that has been hardened by motherhood. Remember the episode where she throws up in the trash can in front of Dwight just to spite him? Like that's the version of Pam that we need to play Clarice. Clarice is a strong, smart character. Pam is obviously smart. We need the strongest version of her. It's got to be late seasons, Pam. And for Hannibal, the most obvious answer here would probably be Dwight. They're both smart in strange ways. They're both odd, very odd once you move them outside of their very specific context. They both have immaculate posture. Like the the pieces fit. But I'm not going to go with Dwight because I don't figure Dwight has the capability to be as evil as Hannibal is. That's just not in his traits, his like set of character traits. He's not that. You need someone who can tap into like the blackest, most amoral part of their soul. 
I think it has to be Jan. I want Jan as Hannibal. She, to me, more than anyone else, seems capable of cutting a face off and then wearing it. Next question. Another voicemail. Hey, Shay. Here's my question. Okay, hypothetical. Let's say Hannibal Lecter has invited you over to dinner. He's cooking, so he's bringing the main course. He's got wine covered, but he wants you to bring your own side dish. What are you making and why? Keep in mind, if you do not impress him, he will probably kill you and eat you. Okay, love the podcast, man. Bye. You know what I'm going to do? If you're telling me ahead of time that I have to impress this guy or he's going to kill me, then I'm just not going to show up. That's all I'm going to do. I don't want to be a part of that program. If I know going in, if I don't impress this person that is a wrap for me, then I just won't make that drive. I'm not that impressive of a person. I've never walked into a room and then everybody gasped. That's never happened for me. So I'm already, you know, sort of stuck here. But if I have to show up and if I have to bring something, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to call my ma. I'm going to be like, ma, I'm going to go to a dinner party. Can you cook something for me to bring? She's going to say, all right, what do you need? I'm going to say, I don't know, some rice or some tamales or something. And she goes, all right, cool. I'm going to make you some tamales. How many people are going to be at your dinner party? I say, I don't know, maybe eight. It's going to be me. It's going to be my homie Hannibal and then like six other people. And she's going to go, all right, cool. Eight people. That means I need to make 4,000 tamales. <laughs> Mexican moms never know how many tamales to make. My mom has operated under the assumption since I was nine that when I sit down to eat tamales, I eat 250 of them by myself. That's what I'm going to show up with. I'm going to show up with fucking two ice chests full of tamales. Next question. This one is from Kyle D. Domenico. It's an email. Every time I hear fava beans or Chianti, I think of the iconic line from Dr. Lecter. So what would be your drink and side dish of choice if you had to eat a human body part? You know what? I was talking with, with Laramie, with my wife, when we watched Silence of the Lambs, this is after it was over. I asked her, if you had to eat a body part, what would you eat? And before I could even finish the question, she was like, oh, I would eat a calf. Like without even thinking about it, which made me uncomfortable that she answered it that quickly. And then she asked me what I would eat. And I was like, duh, I would eat the dick. That's what <laughs> which she said that that was a bad idea. To, it would be too chewy. So I think I would eat, if I'm eating a body part, I would eat a thigh. I would eat the thigh off of like a thick Mexican man. I want him to be overweight. I want like an overweight Mexican uncle. And I'm going to eat the side of his thigh. I assume that the meat would be like just naturally spiced. Like when you buy fajitas, pre-cooked fajitas from H-E-B and they come already spiced. Like that's what I assume the thigh of a thick Mexican man tastes like. <laughs> um, as far as like the drink, I don't know. I don't know anything about wine. I've never had a glass of wine. My wife drinks it. She drinks wine that is, all that I know about it is it's a maroon color. So that's what I would do. I would be at the fancy restaurant and I'd be like, oh, do you have the 87 maroon, dark maroon that I can try? <laughs> Next question. We'll do one more about eating humans. This is a voicemail. Let's hear it. Hi, Shay. This is Matt calling from Charlotte, North Carolina. After listening to the first episode, I went back and watched the movie. And uh, the scene stuck out to me about the census taker where he's 
saying that he ate his liver with fava beans and a nice Chianti. My question to you is, what wines do you think he would pair with what organs? Oh, see, there it is again. I've never had wine. I don't know what I'm pairing with with what organs. I would I would like to drink I drink a big red. Give me a nice big red in a can. It's got to be in a can, sir. Remember in Swingers when he was like, I'll take a Glengarry and a Glen will do. That's how I'm going to be here, but with a big red. Give me a big red in a can. And, you know, I'll eat a, I'll eat a kidney. If I've got to eat an organ, give me a kidney and a big red. I assume that that would be fine. Or I guess I could try, maybe I eat tripas, maybe that. Who knows? I don't know, man. This is not like a, this is not a thing that I think about often is like eating humans. Next question. Let's do another voicemail. In all of NBA history, which player would Coach Hannibal Lecter most like to coach? And likewise, which player in all of NBA history would most like to be coached by Hannibal Lecter? This is Wilson Pruitt from Austin, Texas. It's got to be Tim, right? It's got to be Tim Duncan. That's the player that Hannibal Lecter would coach the best. That's the player who would be most receptive to being coached by Hannibal Lecter because he was already, for the entirety of his career, coached by basketball's Hannibal Lecter, who is Greg Popovich. They would get along perfectly fine, I'm sure. Hannibal would show up one Christmas. Popovich would be like, hey, this is my brother, Hannibal Popovich. Tim would go, all right, that makes sense. And then they would be, they would be buddies. Lecter would want somebody who's a, who's a talented basketball player. He would want somebody who's a winner. He would want somebody who is going to trust his advice and do what he says, but also somebody that doesn't need to have his hand held. Like, you need Tim Duncan there. Nobody else is going to fit. Fucking Kobe Bryant could not be coached by Hannibal Lecter. Kobe Bryant couldn't even be coached by Phil Jackson. Phil Jackson did not like him. I'm glad that we got to the point of the Q&A where we get to talk shit about Kobe Bryant. Let's do another one. Let's do one more NBA question. This is a voicemail. Let me hear it. Hey, Shay. My name's Kevin. I'm a big fan of yours. I'm curious. How do you think Hannibal Lecter would have handled the Kawhi Leonard trade demand if he was San Antonio Spurs GM? Thank you. That's Kevin O'Connor. You son of a bitch. That's Kevin O'Connor. God damn it. Let's do another one. Let's do two more voicemails, and then we're going to shut it down. Hey, Shay, big fan. Um, With Hannibal Lecter being the secondary villain, because Buffalo Bill is actually the main villain, and that's the one who the hero has the actual confrontation with, uh, Jodie Foster's character at the end. Do you think Hannibal's actually overrated? He's not really the main villain. He's not part of the final showdown. Would you consider him an overrated movie villain because he's not the main one or is not part of the final showdown? Uh, Thanks. Hope to hear my question on the next episode. Bye. What are you doing? No, of course Hannibal is not overrated. Hannibal is possibly the greatest movie villain of all time. And you're trying to like sneak around it with a technicality because he doesn't stare down Jodie Foster at the end. The whole movie is him staring down Jodie Foster. I can't believe you would ask me this. This hurt my feelings. This, see, this is why I didn't want to do the Q&A. <laughs> no, I think I understand what you're saying. Buffalo Bill is a villain, but he's not the main villain of Silence of the Lambs. Nobody's ever like, oh, let's watch 
Silence of the Lambs to see Buffalo Bill. We want to see Hannibal. Hannibal's the guy. Hannibal is the main one. He is not overrated at all. You can call him the greatest movie villain of all time, and that still would not be overrating Hannibal because that's probably that's probably a fact. Let's do another one. Hey, Shay, it's your boy, DJ Crom Dog. Uh, I was just curious if you consider Manhunter canon in regards to the Hannibal Lecter-related films. Thank you so much for putting on a podcast. It's very good. Did you just fucking bark at me? Is that what just happened? I got barked at by my boy, DJ Crime Dog, who I don't know who you are, DJ Crime Dog, but thank you for calling in and thank you for, for barking at me. Manhunter is not canon, no. Silence of the Lamb stands on its own. You can maybe put Hannibal there with it. You could probably, possibly put Red Dragon in there too. But you need Hopkins as Lecter. I don't care about Manhunter. Thank you to everyone who emailed a question or called in a question. We're going to do this again next Tuesday following the Regina George episode of Villains. Listen to Villains or go to hell. Thank you. <laughs>